with me this morning. Hallelujah. Come on, just declare with me that this is God's word, not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Verse 2 says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He lead me beside the still waters. Heavenly Father, open our eyes this morning to see your truth. Open our ears to hear your voice. Open our minds to understand your word and our hearts to receive everything you have in store for us. Spirit, break out. Heaven, come down. That's our cry this morning. Open the heavens. Pour your spirit out on us, Lord God. We lift your name high. Let us be more than mere hearers of your word, but doers also. Lord, we thank you that you're the God who is still in control. You sit on your throne. You, nothing destabilizes you. Nothing shakes, moves you. Nothing adjusts your position. You sit on your throne. You're not caught up in the chaos of this world because you're a God of order. You're a God of all the Lord God. And so we thank you that everything is under your control. To you belong the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So God is still in control. Right? And now I want to look at, uh, as we go through this series, just how to deal with some of the stuff we are going through, understanding that principle that God is still in control. So last week we looked at the problem of worry and we, f- uh, and we found out that God's antidote, what God's antidote for worry is, right? And today we are going to be looking at his antidote for a busy life or what is God's antidote for for this fast-paced life that we're living. And God's antidote, I believe, is to relax and, and, and to slow down. I mean, how many of you would say you are busy? I mean, if I were to ask, I think most persons would admit that even though in this moment they not be busy, but they would say they have busy lives. And that's one of the, the, the things that affects um, uh, uh, services at churches outside of uh, a Sunday service. Most Listen, it's amazing. And I know that people are busy. One of the things that I, I used to measure that now is just cell groups. Because a person could actually sit in their bed and do cell group, but they still don't have the time. A person could actually lie down in bed and have a cell meeting, but people still say they are busy. I mean, there are persons who are not employed, 
who will tell you that they are more busy now than when they were employed. No, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I've heard persons say, listen, I never knew I had so much work to do at home until I stopped working. Somebody says true. (laughs) But, but, But here's what I believe is also happening. I believe that we are so cultured to work that we we seek work to do. Like we 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 I believe that we believe that to be Resting is to be unproductive. And to be working is to be productive. So here's what we do. We want to be productive. So we always find work to do. In fact, if you go out and you meet someone at the store or run into someone while they are shopping, they almost invariably will tell you how busy they are. They will start rattling off a list of activities that they have planned to do. But what is God's antidote for a busy life? It's found in Psalm 23 verse 2. It says this, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Now, when a sheep lies in green pastures beside still waters, the only thing that that sheep is concerned with is sleeping and eating. God is saying, listen, I want to get you in a spot that the only thing that is on your mind is sleeping and eating. You need to clap your hands to Jesus. Like, that's a good place right there. Hallelujah. Like, you don't have to. Imagine, imagine you're at a place that the only thing that you are concerned about is sleeping and eating. You don't have to prepare the food. It just turns up when you need it. I mean, that's the sheep. The sheep is, he, you're not worried about your protection because the shepherd does that. You, you, you're not worried about where you, because the shepherd is leading. You don't worry about your provision because the shepherd is providing. And all you're doing is sleeping and eating. Hallelujah. In fact, that, that goes against so much cultural norm that if you told someone, that all you're doing for the rest of the week is sleeping and eating, they rebuke you in Jesus' name. <laughs> in fact, they're going to tell you that a week is too long. Why you don't do it for three days? If there are 52 weeks in a year, you can take one to do nothing except sleep and eat. Amen? Amen. <laughs> All right, so the prescription for, for pressured people is this. Relax, slow down. God is still in control. If it needs to be done, understand God is still in control. Today I'm going to use the word relax as an acrostic to see God's antidote for busy life. So the R in relax stands for realize God wants you to rest. This is not just your body. This is not just your mind. 
This is not just your spouse. God wants you to rest. This is a God thing. God wants you to rest. The only way we can really enjoy life is by getting enough rest. The worst person you can be around is a person who is not sleeping enough. They are miserable. They, are, they, are term- they have a bad attitude. They, I, mean, I mean, have you ever like, had somebody who got like two hours sleep and, and tried to engage them in something? They, they're active, especially if someone like, woke them up. And that was not planned. It, it's a, like, I mean, they, they are, they're probably the worst to hang out with. Or be around. So the, the, the only way we can really enjoy life is by getting enough rest. The only way we can have enough energy to make it through another day is by taking time to rest. We need rest. And that's the way that God designed us. This is not just a, a man's idea. This is God's idea. In fact, in Psalm 127 verse 2, and this is a message Bible, it says this. It is useless to rise early and go to bed late. Let me say that I like it. You see I have that word in red because I want to see it. It is useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Here's the next part. I want you to read it. I want you to, I want you to look at somebody and say this to them. Don't you know God enjoys giving rest to those he loves? Eh? Listen. God enjoys giving rest to those he loves. And let me see. God loves you? It means that God looks forward to giving you rest. Say, if God wants to give you rest, love yourself enough to take it. I don't know if you have ever heard this. Early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. How does it start? Early to bed. Early to bed. I mean, I know you're going to tell me that early is relative. Right? Early to bed, early to rise. Yes, God never intended for us to work ourselves to death. That is not the way he designed us. And I've often, I've said this to you before. Listen, I've never met a person who killed work. Because when you're gone, the work will carry on. But one thing I've found out is that work has killed some people. God never intended for people to work seven days a week. Let, let, me, let me say that again. In the scriptures, God never designed people to work seven days a week. And so here's what some of us do. We do five days of our nine to five and two days of housework and say that we rest. One out of every seven days, all you need to do is to lie down in green pastures. 
beside still waters. Let me say that again. One day out of every week, you need to not do anything in the house. You need to find some green pastures. Lie down in it beside still waters. It's not an exchange. Well, I don't do my nine to five, so I'm going to do housework. God never intended for people to work seven days a week. How do you know that, Pastor? Is it real? In the Bible, Exodus 23, verse 12. Six days you shall do your work. Six days you shall do your work. Take six days out of every seven day a week and do work. And on the seventh day you shall you shall not do housework. You shall rest. But you don't see how dirty the house is. Rest. Who's going to wash the clothes? Rest. Goes on, I mean, God is so, I mean, the Bible is so real. That your ox and your donkey may rest. And the son of your female servant and the stranger may be refreshed. This verse tells us why we need to rest. Why? At the end of it, it says it. It uses the word refresh. Rest so you can be refreshed. Why we rest? Because we want to be refreshed. So let me give you a word of warning about your day of rest, though. It is found in Mark 2, verse 27. In the Message Bible, it says this. The Sabbath was made to serve us. And we weren't made to serve the Sabbath. Simply put, listen. Remember those guys were trying to trap Jesus. And they were asking, is it, is it, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Now, you may be called to do something missionary. That's fine. You may have... A medical emergency. And you have to take. That, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the work that we normally do. On the day that we are resting. Don't have to be done. That, let, 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 me, let me give it this way. You don't have to wash on your day off. Because you have more clothes. You don't have to cook on your day off. Because you can fast. You don't have to do your year, your year on your day off because it can last one more day. Listen, you don't have to sweep the yard on your day off because no one is visiting you. Listen, you don't have to wash the car because it may rain in the evening anyways. Listen, if you would have made $10,000... Trust God, he can provide a million if you take a day and rest. What this means, church, is that the Sabbath is there for your benefit, not the other way around. Be careful not to become legalistic about the Sabbath. God knows that we need rest to be recharged and revitalized. He, his will is to keep us healthy, Mentally, spiritually, and physically. 
God wants us to be recharged and he wants us to be revitalized. So he provided in his word a day of rest for all of us. Here's one of the things I know about rest. It's not in your notes. It's that it helps to keep you young. And it keeps you better mentally. It keeps you better physically. And it keeps you better spiritually. I know it because none of us hires a tired person. If someone comes to your office to do an interview for a job. And they say, boy, you're tired. That's an immediate turn off. The amazing thing is that tired people are a turn off to us. Let me go. Even in marriage, biggest turn off for a husband if his wife said, Me tired. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. We just don't deal with tired people well. So why do we choose then to get tired? When we a provision has been made for us to rest. You can rest. Because God is still in control. Number two, evaluate your choices. You have to evaluate your choices. In our society there is an explosion of choices. We now have more opportunities available to us than ever before. We have more channels to watch, more products to buy, more activities to participate in than ever before. You have to check your, check your Insta, you have to check TikTok, you have to check Facebook, you have to check WhatsApp. I mean, you could spend one day just checking our social media stuff. So many choices. We are bombarded with choices every day. And some choices are very simple. Others are very complicated. Choices like what will you wear? What will we eat? What will we, where will we shop? What activities will we be involved in? All right? But how are we to make the right choices? Because that is key. If I'm going to evaluate my choices so that I can get rest, so that I can relax, how do I know what to do, what to wear, where to go. How do I make right choices? How are we even to evaluate our choices? So I'm going to give you four questions that we can ask ourselves to help us in evaluating our choices. Because it, what you choose to do is very important. So you must choose wisely. Choices are so important in life. Your choice could determine where your choices determine where in fact you are today based on your choices. That's how important choices are. Where you are today is a product of your choices. So we must evaluate how to make right choices. Because we will. Every single day we have choices. Number one, the first question I need to ask is, is it helpful? Is it helpful? When you're, being, when you're faced with a situation and you have a choice to make, ask, is it helpful for me to be or for me to do? Why? 1 Corinthians 6 verse 12. All things are lawful for me, 
but all things are not helpful. Is it helpful? Is it helpful to stay up and watch TV all night? Watch the same program that's going to come back on tomorrow? Is it helpful? We have to ask ourselves genuinely, is this choice helpful? The second question is, do it, does it bring me under its power? If I choose to do this thing, will it have power over me? Will it now control me? Or will I still have power over it? The funny thing with this point is that many times we believe that we will have power over the thing only to find out that it, it finds find some way of subduing us. And we succumb to it. And so, Corinthians 6.12, 1 Corinthians 6.12 goes on and says this, All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And let me use my life, right? I have been brought under the power of CNN. And it's not a joke matter. It's a serious thing. What do I mean? Like, I watch so much CNN, I can tell you, who is on when they are on. And I watch all the programs, though all of them talk the same thing. And so when I wake up, I turn on CNN. And before I go to bed, I turn off the TV, and it's on CNN. But it's just news. I don't have to watch it. It's not, it's not helpful all the time. Because all it's speaking about is the election and the vaccine. And if I hear it one time, I don't need to hear it every day. But I watch it every single day and they talk about the election being stolen and the vaccine being available. And, 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 and the next two persons are... Chris Como comes on and Dan Lemon comes on and Anderson Cooper comes on and, and all, they just come on and Wolf Blitzer come on. What's his name? You know what they do? They talk about the same thing. And I watch all of it over and over and over. If I watch it on Monday, I don't need to watch it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And the fact that I find myself doing that means that it has brought me under its control. A simple thing like news. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Third question I need to ask is Does it hurt others? If what you're going to do hurt others in any way, shape, or form, not just physically, but verbally, or even emotionally, or mentally, if it hurt others, don't do it. 1 Corinthians 8 verse 13 says, 
Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat again, lest I make my brother stumble. All right? Does it make eating meat wrong? No. But eating meat is not right if it's going to cause my brother to stumble. We must become concerned with how our choices affect others. If it's going to hurt other people, if it's going to hurt your family, if it's going to hurt your friend, if it's going to hurt your neighbor, why do it? And notice because many people have built up, we have one of our members that have our house and her neighbor has built a drain. And so, our member, this house is behind the neighbor. The neighbor takes the drain from where it normally runs and turns the drain into our member's yard. And so all of this rain, and so she was flooded out. A very simple thing, but you don't make a choice like that. Don't you want the water out of your yard? If you turn it in mine, it's going to hurt me. When you're making choices, ask yourself, does it hurt others? That is why I say to people, before you go away to work, before you go away and leave your kids, ask if you're, yourself, is this hurting my children? Emotionally, you understand me? Because if you have kids, you can't leave them. You never trusted the person that you're leaving your kids with. Number four. Does it honor God or does it glorify God? First Corinthians 10, sorry, 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's how you evaluate your choices. Is it helpful? Does it bring me under its power? Does it hurt others? Does it honor or bring glory to God? So use these four questions to help you to make choices in life. You'll be better for it. So realize that God wants you to rest. He wants you to evaluate your choices. Thirdly, you have to limit your labor. Life is not just about working hard. It's about working wise. Amen? So there are, let, let me, so there are some things that you can limit your labor in. That is why they have washing machine. Because washing machine helps to limit your labor. Right? Because prior to washing machine, you would have to catch water in this bath. And you have to wash and then you rinse three times. And you have to throw the water and go and catch water. And you rinse again and you throw the water. and all that, Right? Washing machine, you just throw everything in there. And you put everything in there one time. Take out everything. Everything Almost like that. Almost like that. Almost like that, right? Almost like that. <laughs> well, amen. Right? So, so you, limit, you limit your labor. Right? You limit your labor. So you don't have to be out there doing all of that. You have a washing machine. So in life, we need to find ways of limiting our labor. Sometimes we make things, another way of doing things, 
we make it look like it's the wrong way of doing things. All right? And I learned this. So I have uh, one of my mentors, what they do, they buy dis- disposable plates for their homes. Because if the wife cooks, she expects the husband to wash the dishes. And she wants it to be washed by a certain time. And he believes it doesn't matter. I cannot wash dish in the morning. And she believes that, no, you don't leave dirty dishes in the sink overnight. It is not wrong to leave dirty dishes in the sink overnight. It's just another way of thinking. That's all it is. It's not wrong. All right, so because it became a wrong and a right issue, here's what they decided to do. Simple. Let's buy some disposable plates. That means we limit our labor, we finish with the argument. Argument done. I'm not saying that you need to do that, but we can limit our labor. We must set aside time as well to do other things beside work. It's okay to watch TV, to read a book, to go and sit at the beach in the sand. It's okay to walk. It's it's okay to do other things apart from work. We also need to plan time alone with God and family. If you have kids, you need to spend time with them. And if you have a wife, you need to spend time with her. If you have a husband, every week... And, and, and mean, I need to work on this. Every week, you need to, if you can give work nine to five every day, you can give your husband five hours or your wife and your kids. There's no work that deserves better time than your family. No work. Because they can find someone else to do the work. There is ain't nobody else who can replace you in your family. So here's the thing. If you have a choice between your work and your family, family come first. So every week, listen, your work needs to know that you put your family before them. So work, here's what now. Work, I want a day of every day of work because I need to spend some time with my kids and some time with my husband. I ain't coming to work. Fire me if you want. Because my family ain't going. I'd rather my work fire me than my family fire me. We need time off from work. If we are working all the time, we are dumb. That is not what God intended for our lives. If, if the bow is never unstrung, it will lose its power. They, yeah, what they call it, you have to unstrung the bow. You, have, you understand me? It, you have to rest it. If you keep working and not resting, you will lose power. One day a lady called a pastor, not me. <laughs> but she was very upset. And she said, I called all day on Friday and couldn't get through to you. So the pastor said, Friday is my day off. So the lady said, the devil ne- never takes a day off, pa- pastor. Pastor said, yes, 
And if I didn't take a day off, I'd be just like the devil. If you're not taking a day off, you are? I, I did not say that. Right? <laughs> I didn't say that. Exodus 28-9 says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall do all your work. Anything that don't get done in that sixth day, stay until the next week. And we have to be intentional about this. Because life is saying, keep going, keep going. In other words, when you keep working, you are saying that God cannot, God is not in control. I have to control what happened. So my work puts me in control. God says that one day of a week is a rule. This is the fourth commandment of the Big Ten. It is so important that it is right up there with thou shalt not murder. That's how serious God takes this. Every seventh day, take a day off. If you're not taking a day off, you're breaking the Ten Commandments. Sabbath means a day of rest. Amen? So what should we do on our day offs? Or on our Sabbath? Three things. Rest our bodies, recharge our emotions, and refocus our spirits. Listen, if you do this, if you do this, you'd be... I mean, you'd walk around with a glow if you're a female. And if a man, you'll walk around with a I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you call it. Right? But if you're a female and, and, and you take your day off to rest your body, rest your emotion and your spirit, you walk around with a glow. Every day. Realize God wants you to rest. Evaluate your choices. Limit your labor. Then you need to adjust your values. In Mark 10... From verse 17 to 22, I want to read it from the message translation because it brings home the point uh, so perfectly. It says, as he went out into the street, a man came running up, greeted him with great reverence and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? You know the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat, honor your father and mother, he said. He said, teacher, I have from my youth kept them all. Jesus looked him hard in the eye and loved him. He said, there's one thing left. Go sell whatever you own and give it to the poor. All your wealth will then be heavenly wealth. And follow me. The man's face clouded over. This was the last thing he expected to hear. And he walked off with a heavy heart. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let go. This story is really a story about adjusting values. He valued the wrong thing. And sometimes we are so busy, we are going so fast because we value the wrong thing. So let's go back to my mother. My mother was trying to teach me the value of doing things the right way. 
while I was valuing doing things the fast way. In order to reduce busyness in our lives, we must change our thinking about what is important. That's where the problem is. If we are working just to keep up with the Jones, it's senseless. Your measure in this world as a believer is not based on other people. It's based on God. If God says you're okay, that's it. Be satisfied with, God, with, with God's evaluation of you. Don't try to compete with people. Because it's a competition you will never win. Because if you beat this neighbor, the next neighbor going to beat you. Because there's always someone in this life who is going to outdo you. You'll never own the fastest car. You'll never own the biggest house. You may have the biggest house in your little pond. But when you step out of there, your big house is a little house in a bigger pond. Listen, I've, people will work, say that they are, they are this in Jamaica, try to keep up with people in Jamaica, only to move to the United States and realize they are, they are, <laughs> they are really right where they started out in Jamaica. Because Jamaican money in the USA... It's not money. It's, it's honey. You understand? You have to take off the M. Right? But does understand that. So it means that my life is not measured based on you. My wealth is not measured based on how much you have. It's based on how God sees me and what I believe about God. A- Amen? So Ecclesiastes 4, 4 says, I observe all the work and abomination motivated by envy. The man is really saying a lot of people ambition in life, the work that they are doing in life is motivated by envy. In other words, they see somebody with something and they work hard to get it. It's, it's in Jamaica, it is me want that took mentality. Me want a care. Me want a house. <laughs> I, I just want to know that I'm, just want to know that a male said that, you know. <laughs> Who's married actually, right? <laughs> so so here's what he says. He he says, What a waste. What a waste of ambition and waste of work for you to be working out of envy. What a waste. Smoke and spitting into the wind. If we want more stuff and we are working ourselves to death, it's stupid because stuff doesn't bring happiness. If things could bring happiness, there would be many happy people. In fact, I'll tell you this. Stuff sometimes bring more misery than happiness. Until Solomon had to say, man, this is vanity. Vanity of vanity. 
Solomon would look and say, really, you're, tra- you're trying to put a swimming pool at your house? Bridging, I had some reservoirs. And made it miserable. That's what Solomon would say. So realize God wants you to rest. Evaluate your choices. Limit your labor. Adjust your values. And finally, exchange or pressure for God's peace. Take yourself from under the pressure and live in God's peace. Make, make, make a spiritual move. Decide that I'm not going to live under the pressure of this world. I'm going to abide in God's peace. If you live in God's peace, you're living in a place that says, God, you are in control. This gets us to the very root of our problems. You see, there are four types of what I call fatigue. And fatigue will rob you of God's peace. There is physical fatigue. Physical fatigue is a tired body. There is emotional fatigue. This is tired emotions and feelings. There is spiritual fatigue. A dry spirit. And this is the deepest type of fatigue. If you are not taking time to... To, to rest, to deal with your spirit, your emotions, and your body. You're going to have physical fatigue. And you're going to have a dry spirit. You're going to be in church and going through the motions. It's one of the reasons why many... Listen, if you would get some rest, listen, this idea of going through the motion would no longer be there. Listen, you will worship God better when you begin to rest. It's going to be hard for you to give God your best when you're tired. God know it, you know. God, listen, God know that we work so hard. And that's a good thing. That he says, I know you want to worship me and you want to work. So I'm, I'm making a rule. Rest. So that when you come to me to worship, you will give me your best because you're not coming to me tired. We may need a vacation, but that will not help us with emotional and spiritual fatigue. You need more than just time off to deal with your emotions and your spirit. We need a relationship with God. We need God's presence in our lives. That's what we need. Psalm 23. And he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He makes me. God's presence is right there. He makes me. It's like God takes you up and puts you down. And he's right there. The shepherd is right there. God is saying, listen, I want you to take some rest. And that rest must be in my presence. There's where you're going to have energy to move on and to live this life the way I want you to live it. In fact, I'm going to tell you this. You know who don't like to lie down and rest? Children. When you refuse to rest, you're acting like a child. It's really children. Children are who really get stole to go to bed. If you're an adult and people telling you that you need rest and you need to go to bed, something gone wrong upstairs. God has to be coming again to tell you, listen, go and get some rest. You're like a child. Resistant to rest is a mark of immaturity. 
And that's the truth. When you have a problem with rest, it's a sign of immaturity as a believer. God wants us to relax. Take life at his pace. And the only way we can do this is by putting God in control. Putting God in control. Come on, just say, God is still in control. So slow down. Relax. Let God be a pacemaker, right? I don't know if you ever watch the Olympics and sometimes are these Diamond League races and they have the pacemaker who goes in front. And what he does, he's trying to get them to go at record pace. And here's the thing. You're not supposed to pass the pacemaker because that would defeat the purpose of the pacemaker. But the pacemaker is bringing you at a pace that will help you to finish on record time, right? But it is good enough so that you won't tire before the race is finished. That's what God wants you to do. He's going before you and he's setting the pace for you to run behind him. Watch this. For you to run. And guess what? He's bringing you at record pace if you just live life at his pace. But we are speeding up everything. And God has just set this time on this whole virus so that we can all slow down, relax, and know that he is in control. And so we need a pace set in our lives so that we don't go too fast or we go too slow. The only person wise enough to set our pace is Jesus Christ because he knows us inside out. He knows the speed we need to go. When we live with God at the center of our lives, we will have rest and we will have refreshment. Listen, if you, if you know today that, listen, I'm one of those persons. I need to relax. I need to slow down. Understand that God is in control. I know I need to rest. I need to, I need to evaluate my choices. I need to uh, limit my labor, adjust my values. And I need to exchange my pressure for his peace. I, I know this speaks to me. I know that I, I really need to be intentional about resting so that I can be refreshed, refocused. And re-energize when I come into God's presence. Indeed, I want the Lord to make me to lie down in green pastures. I want him to lead me beside still waters. If that's you this morning and you know there's a need for me to really intentionally apply this to my life. Declaring that God is still in control. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. I want to, I want to lead you in a prayer that I believe will help all of us this morning. For some of us, it's about readjusting values. For some of us, it's about limiting our labor. For some of us, it's about uh, uh, our choices, evaluating our choices. For some of us, it's really just, just resting. Hallelujah. Come on, just lift your, lift your right hand with me. And this prayer is going to come up. I think they have it up there and we're going to say this together after three. So open your eyes and just look at the projector and let's say this together after three. One, two, three. Lord is my peace. I don't have to rush. He makes me take rest breaks to refresh my soul. He calms my mind. He calms my spirit. He refreshes my body. He leads me in a way that is pleasing to him. When I think that there is too much for me to handle, he assures me that he is by my side. I don't have to worry. I don't have to fuss. 
He has showed me how to be rested, recharged, refocused, and restored. The blessings, blessings he gives me bubble over. Surely effectiveness and efficiency are a part of my life. I will walk at the Lord's pace all my days of my life. And I will live with him forevermore. Hallelujah. Come on, just lift your hands with me. And so, Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person in this room this morning. We confess that for most of us, we have broken the rule of rest. Maybe it's because we haven't evaluated our choices. Maybe it's because we haven't adjusted our values. Maybe it's because we haven't seek to reduce our labor or we haven't exchanged our pressure for your peace. But we do admit that we have violated this rule. We have broken it. And so we ask you to forgive us, Lord. We repent. And we make a new commitment to you. A commitment to rest. A commitment to make you lay us down in green pastures and lead us beside still waters. For those of us who are married, it means just a time where we spend time with our spouse. For those of us who have children, a time when we put aside the work, put aside the cooking and the washing and the cleaning and spend time with our kids. God, make us make this an intentional part of our lives. You rested. The scripture said you rested from all your work. And you are God. You didn't lose control when you were at rest. Because you never slumber. And you never sleep. See, Lord, we can rest because you are our shepherd who provide. We can rest because you are our shepherd who protects. We can rest because you are our shepherd who guides. We can rest because you are our shepherd who corrects. You gather. And so we rest, Lord God. Intentional time of rest. Come on, just pray me. Say, Heavenly Father, give me wisdom to prioritize the need for weekly rest in my life. Starting this week, I will seek your counsel so that I will know what day will be my day of rest. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, just clap your hands for Jesus this morning. Amen.